Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today is a market analyst consultant specializing in industrial machine vision for investment banks, private equity firms, and corporate development. He was part of an early 70s movie, Super Weapon, and has been studying martial arts for over 50 years. He enjoys exercise and fitness and is involved in Pilates and yoga and loves spending time with his grandkids. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. Justin Testa. How are you doing today, sir? Hi, Brian. I'm doing well, thanks. I truly appreciate you being here, and I'm glad we're going to do this. I'm looking forward to, to kind of hearing your story. Likewise. I want to go back to the very beginning. You said you've been doing this over 50 years. I want to know kind of what started it. Where did that first spark come from, that first interest in martial arts that kind of kicked off your journey? Yeah, it's, it's a very good question because I, I actually started with judo, uh, I think when I was around 12 years old at a YMCA. You know, there was no particular trigger uh, for me in uh, getting to martial arts. I had some episodes as a kid as, be, as being bullied. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may have been a, a impetus for that, but uh, I made the transition from judo after a couple of years over to uh, Weichiru when I was 14. And uh, that uh, something really clicked for me with uh, Weichiru. Okay. And, you did judo for, for over two years now. Did you get involved in the competition side or were you doing it strictly for the self defense? No, I got involved with the competition, and uh, it was uh, kind of eye-opening uh, to a large extent. And, <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun, and I've got to say one of the major benefits out of that whole experience for me uh, that I still carry today is I learned how to fall, mm-hmm. and uh, which is, I think, a skill that is worthwhile for everyone to learn how to do yes. and, uh, and understanding the, you know, the principles of throwing and taking down and things of that nature. Cause you know, one point is an integral part of Okinawan karate. And, um, so it, today, as I dig into interpretations of the movements we do, those principles uh, from judo do help. Okay. Well, I definitely want to get into the karate, but a little bit more on the judo. What What are some things you remember about that instructor? What I mean, you stuck with it for two years. What What were some things that you remember and that you really enjoyed about that training? Well, this was done at YMCA. Okay. In uh, In downtown Boston, and um, it was a fairly large class. And what I remember uh, of uh, my instructor, I don't remember his name, uh, but um, you know, he was Don ranked, and uh, he was. I think he was from a military background, so there was a tremendous amount of discipline uh, in the class. And uh, for me personally, that yeah, I found that quite appealing. Okay. And uh, you know, and I was a little bit on the heavier side as a kid, so that helped me actually put some more discipline in my own way of life. And and uh, so it really clicked with me uh, that aspect. 
And, uh, you know, there's certain aspects of being able to, you know, just learning how to uh, move properly to set set up for, you know, a throw. Um, those things really uh, appeal to me. Okay. So what led to the change then? What, were you looking for something else? Did you, uh, how, did, how did you find karate and kind of what led to that switch? Well, I, I actually have a very, very vivid memory. Okay. Um, as a, um, I was still studying judo, so I was probably in that 12 to 13-year-old years old standpoint. There used to be a, a television show in Boston uh, called The Tom Larson Show. It was just a local variety show and they'd bring people in interviews things like that they happened to bring in george matson and um he had some of his students there and he was talking and you know i just have a very vivid memory i think my mother was watching it i saw it in the background and they were doing san chin and you know it caught my eye and i tried to start mimicking it and you know the motion you know the san chin arm thrust and although i had no idea what i was doing but that is such a vivid memory to me. And then a little bit later uh, in in Boston, there was annually, there was the New England Sportsman Show. And that, uh, again, was just a collection. It was a trade show for, you know, fishing, hunting, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, lo and behold, I was there with my father walking around. Sure enough, the Matson Academy had a booth there. And, you know, they were demonstrating and signing up students. So I, I, it clicked that this is what I saw, you know, on, on Tom Larson. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I spoke to my father. He knew I had an interest in this and I signed up on the spot. And uh, a year later, I was actually uh, at the booth uh, doing booth duty and demonstrating. So oh, wow. that's, uh, that's how I got started there. Okay. So that was probably back, back in, see, I think I started uh, which room around 66, 67 time frame. Okay. So then think back to that, that first couple of classes there. What was it about that? What was it about George? I mean, you know, signing up's one thing, sticking with it's another. So what, what was it that really drew you in after trying it? Well, um, it's going to sound crazy, but, um, you know, again, it goes, it, it gets this idea of the, the discipline side. I don't know if you get my first class. Um, you know, there was no beginner class. There was no structure from that standpoint. I think I started, uh, I did the Saturday noontime class, which was, you know, all ranks and it had to be 30, 35 people in this class. So it was uh, wow. you know, a pretty large class. I was in the back of the dojo and, you know, nervous and again, very vivid, vivid memory. And what we did was um, get into a Sanchez stance and I just had to mimic what I saw you know, the people ahead of me or next to me and try to get into that stance. And all we did were these uh, low thrusts, you know, open hand, low thrusts. You're striking from your hip with both hands out about hip height. Then you squeeze and you bring them back and you just keep going. We did that for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's all we did. And uh, and then, you know, kind of moved on from there. But you know, I just really liked that uh, the physical side, but then even, even, Early on, you could understand how it can kind of click on the uh, the, the mental side of this. Uh, so that was my my vivid recollection of the first class that I attended. I'm assuming, did you get involved in the competition side of karate also when you were there? I did. Um, yeah, the Matson Academy in, in Boston was just a just a wonderful experience. I mean, it, it helped shape my life. I met my wife <laughs> there. And, uh, but yes, uh, you know, so there was ultimately a, a competition team, a demonstration team, 
uh, instructor program. Uh, and, you know, George Matson really produced a lot of very top-notch martial artists. Mm-hmm. And, and not only from the standpoint of competitive fighting and, and the tournaments, but as people and as teachers. And uh, and a lot of those, I mean, a lot of what you see today in Wichiru is, is because of that. So yeah, so I was part of the competition team. I liked competition. I competed in high school in sports. I did stuff like that. And this really, again, clicked for me. And uh, so typically uh, there'd be Weichiru specific tournaments. There were a number of other Weichiru dojos, either within the Matson Academy or or outside the Matson Academy. And then there were the open tournaments where you would have, you know, Taekwondo, Shotokan, whatever in Weichiru. And and uh, so I typically would participate in the sparring uh, and the kata competitions. Okay. Never got involved in the weapons? You know, uh, early on, we, we did some uh, nunchuck and some sai. But uh, I didn't go deep into it. We, uh, Bob Campbell, who was uh, one of uh, George's early on uh, students, really became an expert in uh, weapons, and uh, some of he would teach some classes there. But I didn't really ever pick up on that. Okay. I, I've got to say, brought back a memory though. What I did do, mm-hmm. uh, one of our uh, the other, uh, so there were kind of like a couple of generations here. You know, I was early on, but there was even an, a group of earlier on. They were already perhaps at the don level or you know high Q Q level, and they were teaching. And uh, one was also a, a Don rank in uh, judo and jujitsu. And uh, I continued to go to that Saturday noontime class, even as I progressed in ranks. And uh, it's a wonderful man, uh, Jack Summers, did a, a judo and jujitsu class after that. And so I, I did that for a number of years after. So I, I forgot the fact that, uh, although I did the judo at the Y and I made the transition to Weichiru, I still continued it as part of the Madison Academy under Jack Summers. So did you ever attain your black belt in judo? I did not. Okay. So, I mean, at least you stuck with it, though, because you said you like those skills worked well with your karate also. So that was good. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, when you started, you said 14, or were you the youngest at the school? Because I know I've talked to a lot of people from that, that time frame, and a, a lot of schools won't even take kids that young. And so were you the youngest, or were there other ones around your age? No, they were younger. Uh, you know, there was, in fact, there was a children's program. Oh, wow. uh, typically, uh, you know, Saturday mornings were, you know, children. It, 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 and I think 14 was the cutoff, if I recall correctly. Okay. So I was in the adult class, but you know, get there early and there were 100 little kids running around. And, uh, but no, no, not by any means. Yeah, taught kids many for many years. Early to mid 60s, that had to be kind of different because not a lot of instructors back then had kids' classes. That's kind of unique. Yes. And, you know, and I, you know, I got to point to George Matson. I mean, mm-hmm. he got a visionary in a lot of ways uh, relative to teaching Waitrue, who to teach it to, the business side of Waitrue, the, uh, the other methods. I, I mean, I have, a, again, another vivid, vivid memory. Of he was probably one of the early adopters of videoing. Um, I remember an old Sony, huge, huge Sony recording thing that he had acquired, and really? he'd start videoing. Uh, this was back maybe it's in the early seventies, maybe in the late sixties. I, I just forget the timing. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, no, he really did a fantastic job of trying to spread the you know, Wichiru mm-hmm. uh, as broadly as he could. So does he still have any of those videos, or any of those have been? turned over to digital and, and restored at all? 
I, I don't know. I, wow. That's a very good question. I, could, I should probably ask him. But, but you know, again, I, I mean, just to continue, maybe at some point we want to get into this at this point. But uh, you know, right now I, I'm with George. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm an instructor for the Method Academy. It's yep. an online uh, program, and we do everything by video. But he started this particular virtual dojo thing back in the, I think, the mid to late 90s. Wow. Uh, where people would record a video in, in email and do things like that. And, uh, but I actually, I don't know if he still has some of those old uh, original videos. Would be cool to, if he does put those on the website, just for kind of a little treat for people to see. I mean, that'd be, yeah, be fun. I'll, I'll ask him. <laughs> okay. Now you mentioned teaching. I am glad you brought that up because now at what age and what belt level did you first get involved in the teaching of martial arts? Well, I have to say, uh, so I, I mentioned that at the Madison Academy in Boston, there was a teacher training program. It was oh. called the, the, the Honcho Program. And uh, you had to be a minimum of, of Goku. In, you know, in, uh, Weichiro Goku is a green belt. Okay. So it's halfway through the Q ranks. You had to be at least a Goku to join you know, the teaching program. And you'd be an assistant instructor. And I, so I... Did that probably at 15, okay. roughly. And and then, you know, as your teaching skills progressed and as you progressed in rank, uh, you earned, we, we used to have stripes around our, our uh, uh, gi arm, and a, a black one indicated you were a honcho teacher, meaning, you know, you were a qualified teacher for the Madsen Academy. Uh, so I started relatively young, and a lot of it was either taking students in the back of a class and you know teaching them a specific technique or mm-hmm. kata, or even teaching uh, children. Uh, and uh, those are my my early days of teaching. Okay. So now was that something that every student had to at least go through and learn, or was it optional? It, it was optional. So what what about teaching? What made you want to teach? I, I, it's it's one of the uh, Biggest benefits for me, mm-hmm. even today, uh, you know, you know, the reward of seeing and helping to nurture someone, you know, lead them through their journey, give them something that has given given you so much. I mean, back then, I don't think I had those types of thinkings about about teaching. It, it was, you know, I just loved it so much, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, I wanted to be a teacher. Uh, you know, today it's I get such a pleasure. Right now, uh, sharing this way through martial art with others that they can continue to practice the rest of their lives. And, you know, you're jogging a lot of memories in this old in the <laughs> original dojo. But I remember this was right off of Cambridge Street in downtown Boston. And it was a second story dojo. It was awesome. And uh, so you go up the stairs and at the top of the stairs, there, were, uh, there was a sign. And, and I don't know whose quote it is, but, you know, it was, uh, I gave my life to karate and karate gave a way of life to me. And that resonates, you know, to me today. Uh, and so as far as being a teacher, I feel that that's what I'm able to give you know, a, a student. And, 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 and people do this for a lot of different reasons, as you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so I try to be a good sensei, a good teacher, a good leader of, of their path to, to help go the direction they want to go. Okay. Now think back to at age 15, you first started teaching to now you're still with George. You're still, you know, running you're teaching through online stuff and everything. What do you think has changed the most about your teaching style over the years? Well, um, I think as my own 
practice of which Guru you know, has advanced and deepened, which is something that's very important to me to continue that practice. I'm able to you know, help guide, uh, open one's eyes to you know, a particular movement. You know, an example might be, you know, there are a lot of transitions in a kata that you do. You go from one stance and completion of a technique, and then you might step through to one, two, three steps into another movement and go there. And, you know, as you dig into this deeper, you realize that, wow, there's a whole lot in the transition. Uh, and, you know, and it, and it took some time to actually realize that. And to be able to start to share and help help the students explore which are that way, that depth is, is something we're able to, to, to bring. Now, you mentioned you did some high school sports. First of all, what sports do, were you involved in and, and how do you think the karate helped you with the sports or vice versa? Those sports helped you with your karate. Sure. So um, look, first little uh, footnote here. I, at a young age, and I think around 12 years old, I got hit with uh, childhood arthritis Ooh. and, uh, you know, uh, inflamed left knee, blah, blah, blah. And it was not fun. I was able to continue to practice my Wichiru. As far as sports in high school, what I was able to do was do track. Okay. So I, I, I ran and I also did various field events. And, you know, and again, as I relate a lot, especially in the field events, uh, because some of the require, whether you're throwing a shot put, the discus or the javelin, you know, the movement, you know, in karate, martial arts, it's movement, right? You're building muscle memory, building movement. It just happens that, you know, in martial arts, the movements are self-defense techniques. Mm-hmm. You know, throwing a, a discus or throwing a javelin is not a simple thing to do. And that movement, again, is very appealing to me in, you know, breaking it down and study. So I, I'd say the what I gained out of my Wichita group practice, I was able to directly apply to how I would tackle throwing these various things and and do it relatively well. And uh, so there was a strong correlation there. And then in college, again, I still had this knee issue, but you you go through various phases with arthritis and I I was on the crew team. I rode and that, you know, maybe crazy. I might be stretching it a bit, but the association, you know, from the mind body side of my martial arts training over to rowing. Rowing is a repetitive mind body action that takes a lot of physical mm-hmm. strength and endurance. But once you get into that pattern, you know, it, you don't know, think about it. It's just a wonderful thing. So I've always been attracted to even running is the same way, attracted to those types of things. And okay. that may be because of my martial arts training at a younger age. As soon as you mentioned rowing, the first thing that popped into my mind was your story about that very first day of Weichiru and that the thrusts for like 20 straight minutes. It's, it's almost almost the same movement as rowing. It's the first thing I thought of when you said that. <laughs> no, that's a good point. I never thought of that. But you're right. I mean, it's that, again, you lose yourself in a sense in the motion. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. So now you, you mentioned college. Now, were you able to keep up your training as much as you wanted to while going to college? Or did you have to slow down a little bit? Or how did that affect your martial arts? No, fortunately, I was able to keep it up. In fact, you know, I went to school in Boston, so right. that helped tremendously. And uh, I actually continued to teach 
and uh, I took over as a senior instructor at uh, one of the Matson Academies in one of the suburbs while I was in college. So I did that for a few years while I was still in college. So, you know, I continued to teach, continued to work out, and I think even compete back then, I recall. Okay. So talk a little bit about your uh, your first black belt test and just what the, what that experience was like and some of the things you remember for that. Well, the first thing I remember <laughs> was the fact that um, I had to wait. So so you kind of go through the ranks with a, a group. It's a small group, but mm-hmm. it might be three, four, five people. You're kind of in the relatively the same timing. You're going through the same thing. You're kind of the same age. And there were some rules relative to the how long you needed to study and uh, how old you were to get, you know, an adult black belt. So when this group kind of came up, we tested, I missed the time by about three months or four months. And um, yeah, that's right. Because I, it's all coming back to me now. I, I started in January 67. The test was, I believe in, uh, March of um, 70 and I had I was short <laughs> several months and uh, so I had to wait a whole year uh, before I could go up at seven, uh, 1971 for my showdown test uh, so you know, in terms of the memory about it you know that was the most vivid memory because you walk into class you know in uh, after the 1970 test and all my my buddies are wearing their black belt and I still have my EQ rank on, which, you know, it's not not all about the rank, but mm-hmm. back then as a kid, yeah. you know, <laughs> it, it means a lot. But, you know, you, you learn also patience and that's that's a vivid memory. I mean, the other, the other thing was uh, nervous mm-hmm. um, and, and actually not so much the physical side, but, um, you know, it was more the, the Q&A. Uh, and being in front of this board of, you know, senior instructors and, you know, having them pepper you with questions and, you know, knowledge about uh, the history, knowledge about the style itself and you as a person. Okay. Talk a little bit about the, the movie you mentioned that uh, was a super weapon. How did, how did that, you said that was early seventies. So how did that come about? Yeah. So, um, so the super weapon is a documentary and it actually is available, uh, in DVD form. Uh, and uh, I believe it was, I think we shot that in either 1971 or 72 in New York City. And the purpose of it was uh, to really capture in this film kind of the state of the art of martial arts in, in the United States. What, what are the different styles being, being taught, being practiced, you know, and bringing in, you know, the, the key people in those styles mm-hmm. uh, at that time. Uh, so George Matson, uh, Bob Campbell, uh, Jim Maloney, and myself represented uh, Wei Chi Ru, and you know the the probably the lead actor, if you will, in a lot of the film is Ron Van Cleef. Maybe familiar with Ron? Oh yeah, Ron, uh, Ron's been on the show. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yep. yeah, he's an impressive, impressive uh, man, and uh, so he's in that film, and and uh, you have some really good segments in, in terms of that. So we demonstrated and represented Weichi Ru uh, in that. What so kind of there actually you get is to a, do yeah, uh, you know, yeah, sure. Actually, there's a clip on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> if you're ever interested in searching, you can see our clip or uh, short of getting the movie, but uh, it's available on YouTube. So uh, first thing is George tested me and brought me through Sanchin Kata. And uh, you know, Weichi Ru has kind of, 
developed this brand of being this style where, you know, you're able to take these punches and kicks and, and all of that. And sure enough, you know, George did that. I mean, it was a demonstration. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there was that. Uh, Jimmy did a, a kata. Then we did a, a bonkai, the application of that particular kata. Uh, Bob Campbell and I uh, did what's called 10-point kumite, which is a two-person two prearranged uh, sparring uh, kind of drill. And then uh, uh, we did some board breaking. Uh, to sh- more, more to show, you know, the conditioning of the way you grew body. Uh, so, for example, I broke, uh, I forget, I think it was a two by two uh, over Bob Campbell's arm, over his leg. Uh, we did a few things like that. Uh, I broke uh, some boards with my toes. And, uh, you know, all told, that's probably a seven, eight minute, you know, demonstration of weight you grew. Okay. I think I remember Ron talking about that now that you mentioned. I just found it on his IMDb, yeah, and it mentions uh, karate, kung fu, jiu-jitsu, taekwondo, tai chi, aikido, and others. So be interesting to interesting to pull it out and watch it. It's worth it. You know, it's, it's really, uh, you know, again, as far as a documentary, pulling it all together, I actually haven't seen anything else like that. There may be things out there now, but mm-hmm. um, it was very well done. Yeah, I'm definitely going to see if I can uh, track down, order a copy and and, uh, and watch it. Cause that's kind of things I enjoy. Now you finished college, went into your you know, professional life. Same kind of question as, as the sports one. How do you think your martial arts training helped you th- in your professional career over the years? You know, I got to circle back to what originally appealed to me, even starting judo, was the discipline side of things okay. uh, and uh, in work ethic. You know, the, it, you know, to succeed, uh, you know, in business or whatever your endeavor might be, uh, you need discipline and, and you need a strong work ethic, you know, to go through the, the tough, the tough times. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think that really is really a found, which you and martial arts were really a foundation for me in starting it at that age. Um, I think really it became part of my, my genome in a lot of ways. Uh, and I think it you know, clearly helped me through, you know, my career and, you know, up to the point of retiring from that career. Okay. So now you've been doing this over 50 years. What's left for you? Is it, do you still have goals in martial arts? Do you want to accomplish or are you just happy doing what you do right now? Well, I, I, so I am in a, uh, I guess, a semi-retirement phase of my life. Okay. So about three years ago, I retired from my direct employer, and I, I'm very, very lucky. Because a few things. Uh, one is I'm able to continue to do some level of consulting in the field of technology that I have all this experience in. And it's not too frequent, it's not too demanding, but it's it's nice to stay in touch and, and get paid mm-hmm. for some of those things. Yeah. But the other thing I'm very, very fortunate was that uh, George, um, you know, I talked to George, asked him if he needed some help. I've got the time now. You know, we teamed back up again, and uh, it's been just a fantastic experience. I'm able to now spend a lot of my day, and when I say teaching, I may be mm-hmm. teaching either by reviewing videos of uh, some of our members who have sent in demonstrations of you know something they're working on for uh you know in in the rank course that they're working on uh, or to maybe recording another tutorial or running a pop-up class or doing something of that nature so I, so almost every day or virtually every day i am teaching 
Wageru. But the other thing that retirement has afforded me uh, is time uh, to vote to my own personal training and uh, you know, exercise in general is a hobby of mine. So I'm able to do that more. So yes, I guess the answer to your question, teaching uh, my objectives there, I want to be the best sense that I can be to my my students and bring them along their way through journey and give them the opportunity to have the experience that I've had that Sensei Matson gave to me. And um, that's my goal there. And then as uh, an individual, I, I've been really uh, diving deep uh, into Weichiru. Uh, you know, I've decided to, for me personally, what's right is do one thing mm-hmm. and just go deep. Okay. Uh, and uh, I do watch a lot of other things. Uh, various Kung Fu forms. Uh, I watch uh, Muay Thai fighting. I, I watch a lot of things and just, you know, your eye picks up various things. Uh, but my mission here is really to understand Weichiru even better. And which, which kind of brings back also to teaching that we teach online. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a challenge as a teacher, and but it's been great uh, because it forces you to really think through how to give your students an experience uh, that is like being in a dojo, but you're not in a dojo. Right. Uh, and that could be by supplementing a bag, for example. Um, you know, for me personally, uh, you know, I. I don't have a place to hang a bag, uh, but I found a great pedestal uh, type bag, and I started to share that with our members and how to how to use it and that kind of thing. And then I discovered the Wing Chun dummy uh, arm attachment for this bag, and uh, I developed a a program a tutorial, a series of videos. Uh, for our members on how to utilize the Wing Chun dummy to develop your Wei Chi Ru techniques. Oh, wow. And it's it's been great. It's been great for me personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like having a partner here, uh, sometimes even better to, to some extent. And uh, so something like that. And then another thing is we, our program, we highly encourage that people supplement their Wei Chi Ru practice with other exercise. Okay. Uh, you know, to develop uh, core strength, to develop flexibility for, for resistance training, for cardiovascular. And you know, in my work life, I used to travel quite a bit. And I, the fortunate thing about uh, martial arts and uh, karate, you can actually practice your kava in your hotel room or in the gym or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I started actually working with these resistance bands, a lot of people use them when they go to physical therapy, maybe yep. a company TheraBand, and I kind of adapted them to start working on some of my specific Weichiru movements with the resistance bands. And then about uh, three years ago, I discovered TheraBand came out with a new type of band, uh, and they've got these loops in them. And uh, so I started experimenting with myself, and I, to this day, I still use it as my primary form of resistance training. And the advantage, and, and a lot of uh, you know mixed martial arts boxes use resistance bands as part of their training. So yep. this is not unique by any means. But uh, so I put a program together for our members, it's a 17-video series on how to use these bands to develop the right kind of resistance and training in motion for our movements. So it's been a challenge as a teacher on an online virtual program to come up with these supplemental training methods that 
you know, they can embrace uh, at home. Uh, and uh, so I, to me, that's a lot of fun. I love the same thing with the resistance bands. I know early nineties, me and a couple of students at our Taekwondo school we were training at, you know, broke college kids. We couldn't afford resistance bands, but one of our students, um, his mom was a nurse and she got us all the, all the surgical tubing <laughs> yeah. we'd want. And we just cut it to certain lengths. And, yeah. and I, I actually probably still have some of that in a box somewhere from like 1994 yeah. and it worked great. I loved well, it. It's, it's, it's it's great, you know. I, and you know, I used to, uh, if I was at a hotel gym, whatever, I'd get dumbbells and I would do my sanchanam thrust and my circular blocking wokey motion, or or just punches with that. And and it's fine. I, I'm not I'm not spelling that as a way to get resistance within movement. But the problem with that is you've got gravity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's pulling you those arms down, and it's working against the motion that you're trying to do. And that's where you know, whether it's the surgical tube or resistance band, you actually get it in the movement. And that's invaluable to develop the right kind of flow and strength uh, within the movement itself. Nice. And that, and this is the whole thing you're talking about, the online training. This is at home karate.com. Is that the site? It is. Yes. yes. So yeah, when the episode comes out, I will put a link out for that and, and send people your way for sure. So now you kind of answered my question because I was going to ask if at all your, throughout your martial arts career, if you did any cross training and you and, and other styles and you kind of mentioned that you, you, you've watched them, but haven't really, other than judo, haven't really trained in any other styles really. No, I, I did some Tai Chi for, for a few years okay. um, and uh, which I enjoyed, uh, but uh, we relocated and that kind of fell through. And I, again, I just, decided to refocus and keep the focus on my way to you. And, um, I mean, for me, the cross training comes through, uh, you know, the, uh, supplemental exercises. Right. You know, I actually wrote a paper to get my, my first master designation, my wrenchy de- designation on how Pilates and yoga, uh, have contributed to the advancement of my Wei Chi Ru. Nice. And, and I still practice both of those today. I mean, they're very, very complementary. Okay. And uh, so that's where, and, and then from a, uh, in trying to understand better what movements may have come from, what they, how they might be applied. I mean, that's where I watch a lot of things online uh, just to catch an eye. It might be, again, watching a form, you know, a crane style form uh, or, I like watching Muay Thai uh, because there are a lot of similarities of Muay Thai in a competitive standpoint as if you were to fight Wei Chi Ru style, it'd be somewhat similar, you know, frontal, you know, a lot of front kicks, uh, you know, hook kicks to the legs, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. Right. So I like to watch those, uh, you know, those experts do that. Okay. No, that makes sense. So now you've been, you know, primarily then traditional martial arts your, your whole life. Now, what are your thoughts on something like MMA and the UFC? And is that something you're a fan of at all? I'm, I'm a, I'm definitely a fan. I watch, nice. <laughs> I okay. watched a lot of this stuff. So, um, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I love watching the combat sports. Um, you know, lately I've mentioned it before previously, I, I, I kind of honed in on Muay Thai. I, mm-hmm. There's just something about that that really just attracts me. And I think again, it's, it's the kind of the alignment with a lot of the Wei Chi philosophy or principles, I should say, not philosophy mm-hmm. of, of movement. I mean, I, you know, and I don't want to make this controversial, but, um, the, the other aspect, you know, you know, people study this and practice this for a lot of different reasons. Right. 
And, you know, self-defense is one. And oftentimes people will get into this initially because of self-defense. And I, I think for me personally, that was the case. Uh, but then you discover, oh, you know, I'm a competitive person. There's a sports side of this. And, you know, there's a very, it's very different, you know, uh, combat sports, you know, corporate sparring, things that actually really have nothing to do with self-defense. Right. And uh, so I, I, I look at the combat sports for what they are. I love sports. So I love to watch the competitive aspect of it. And I'm, they're incredibly trained athletes and I, I really admire that. And that's what I enjoy watching. But then there's the self-defense side of this that, you know, you asked about what else, you know, like this phase of my way you right now, that's mm-hmm. been an area that I've been spending a lot of time on. And uh, because that, when it really comes down to it, the core of this Okinawan style and of, I think all Okinawan styles is self-defense and, um, you know, how to guide your students in that understanding, number one, and how to educate them along that line, because it is very different. Right. You, a moment ago, you mentioned philosophy. So in all your years of martial arts training, is there one philosophy that just stands out? It rises to the top of your list. It's super important to you. I, well, I guess what popped to my mind when you said philosophy was Mushin, you know, the no-mindedness of it all and, and that uh, pursuit of getting to the point where, um, you know, you, you have that mind-body connection where you act. And it's a, it's a you know, that, that to me, or, or, you know, doing a kata and, uh, you know, it doesn't happen all the time uh, where you feel this state of connection that, you know, it's just an amazing thing. So, uh, I mean, that that's a pursuit all the time. But And someone always said, you know, pursuing Mushin is like trying to grab a bar of wet soap. This is harder you squeeze. It's more elusive it is. You've got to kind of let it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if that answers your question, but that, that's what comes to mind. Perfectly. All right. I have some fun questions to wrap us up here. So this <laughs> okay. one, now it doesn't have to be four. I've had as few as two and as many as eight, but it's completely up to you if you can give – Three, four, five, six names of who would you put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? All right. Well, George Matson. Okay. I, I was waiting for that one. I figured that'd be the first one. Yeah. He's number one. <laughs> okay. And I, I didn't mention him, but I think he's influenced a lot of people who studied martial arts in the late 60s, early 70s, is Bruce Lee, nice. just yeah. as an in, influence mm-hmm. to me. Love to have a beer with Bruce Lee. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. Another person who has been influential for me over the years is uh, Walter Matson. Mm. Not related to George, but okay. you know, one of the early students. Let me see who else. Bob Campbell. I, I'm going to be mentioning way too people because that, they're that's fine. They're the ones that kind of just had a great influence on me. Jimmy Maloney and Buzz Durkin. Okay. And I'm probably going to leave out a few, but those are the ones that come to my mind that um, you know just really help me along the way here and right. still inspire me. Okay. I'm guessing I, I probably know what one of your answers is going to be. So I'm going to ask for two answers in this one, a favorite martial arts book. And I'm assuming you're going to pick one of George's. So then your, your, <laughs> your favorite George book and then your favorite non George martial arts book. Okay. All right. So my favorite George book is actually the first one, the way of karate. karate. Nice. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. It just, you know, it was, it had a great influence on me and a big, uh, big thing. And the others are fine too, but uh, that's the one that comes to mind. Non-George book. 
So I'm going to mention a book that isn't really martial arts. Again, it might be controversial or whatever, but Mm -hmm. in my pursuit of digging deeper into self-defense and self-protection, more recently I've read a a couple of books. Um, uh, One is The Gift of Fear uh, by De Becker. And uh, just an interesting book about instinct, interesting instincts, and how it relates to, you know, this topic of self-defense, self-protection. And the other one that has had an influence on me more, this more recently, and it comes to mind by, um, it's uh, When Violence is the Answer. Yep, I've heard of that And that's by Tim Larkin. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a a, a traditional, by any means, a traditional martial arts book, but it it, uh, relates very directly to um, at, at least the area that I'm into right now. Yeah. And I think you, you, might, you might be the second one to mention the Tim Larkin book that, because as soon as you said oh, his really? name, I, I, I recognized it. So you could be. Huh. Well, it, what, what has been very interesting for me with this book is, and again, Weichiru is a system, it has our other Okinawan systems where self-defense has really been the, is the underlying principle of the style. And um, a lot of the movements you know, within Weichiru Kata are very deadly, if you will, okay. <laughs> movements. They're not things to be used in sport or aspiring situations. And you know, Tim Larkin uh, you know, is an expert in the area of uh, self-protection. And you know, in, this book brings you through that transition. The title is the whole thing, theme of the book, When Violence is the Answer. Right. And he really helps sort through what he would term as a antisocial aggressive standpoint versus an asocial violent standpoint. And when you're confronted with an asocial violent situation where it's a criminal <laughs> usually, uh, but it doesn't have to be, I guess, a, a, you know, a life criminal or whatever, but someone who has the intent to actually do you very, very serious harm. Uh, they're not communicating to you verbally and they're just going after you. You have to become violent in order to survive that. And uh, that transition is a tough transition and, uh, and understanding the distinction. So I, I think it's helped me guide my students in, in, uh, in the areas of you know, these distinctions, because I, I think as a teacher, as a sense, I think I have an obligation to do that. You know, getting into a fight at a bar is completely unacceptable. You never, ever, ever want to take a risk in doing that, either legally or for your health. And right. those are typically just social posturing you know, kind of scenarios. And, you know, these are the ones where you need to de-escalate, you need to walk away, and you got to leave the ego in check and just not engage in those kinds of things. So that, that it's really helped bring, bring through that stuff that's maybe obvious, but it's well articulated and um, it just made a lot of sense and it kind of ties into a lot of what we uh, learn in Weichiru. Okay. Now this one you might not have an answer for, but we'll, we'll ask it anyway. Do you have a favorite martial arts video game? You ever, ever get into video games at all during your life or maybe your grandkids got you into it or... Uh, I don't have a, I, I never did. Okay. And except if I go to an arcade and I happen to see one, but I don't remember any of the names. Okay. No worries. How about a favorite martial arts TV show? Ooh, well, I think I've probably watched them all. Uh, I was nice. a big fan of the original Kung Fu series with David Carradine, mm-hmm. uh, even though that was kind of a controversial series, but I, I, I like that. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to remember the one, uh, the name of the one right now that takes place in San Francisco. It's not the current uh, Kung Fu. Warrior. 
Warrior. Yep. I love Warrior. Well, that's what Kung Fu was supposed to be because that's based on Bruce Lee's notes for the original Kung Fu. Yeah, it, it, I love Warrior. Yeah, that's a great show. Now, have you have you gotten into Cobra Kai at all? Oh, absolutely. Nice. Awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. I watch it with my daughter whenever they come out. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm a martial arts geek. Yeah. That's, that's cool. I like it. So you're a martial arts geek. I got to ask you because not a lot of my guests remember the show. Early 90s. It was on around the same time as Kung Fu The Legend Continues when the sequel series came out. But there was a series called Street Justice. Did you watch that one? It's with Carl Weathers, the guy who played Apollo Creed. And, yeah. a, and a young, oh, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was him and a young hung, huh. hungar stylist named Brian Genesee. Yeah. I think it was two. Some might be worth looking up. Huh? Yeah, it was like two seasons. It was some really good fight scenes in it. I really enjoyed it a lot. So, mm-hmm. all right, cool. All right, so get that somewhere. Well, there you go. How about a favorite martial arts movie? Okay. Um, well, the other style I like to watch is Wing Chun, mm, okay. and uh, so I love the um actually all of the uh it man series nice. uh, with donnie yen yeah, donnie yen's amazing yeah you know it's a, a little sidebar that he studied he first started studying gung fu here in boston oh i did not know that okay yeah yeah cool. and one actually one of our one of our uh senior people today was his first teacher of gung fu wow that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. He's yeah. one I'm, I'm trying, I'm not holding my breath, but I'm trying to get him on the show. <laughs> uh, yeah. awesome. Let me know. <laughs> he would be, he would be fun to talk to. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Final question. Now this one doesn't have to be a martial arts movie, but it can be just a favorite movie fight scene. So I'm not going to remember. It actually was a female uh, fight scene. Um, I'm sorry. I forget. I, I just can't think of it, but it was a spy movie and uh it'll probably come up to me as soon as come to me as soon as we hang up but mm-hmm. um it was one of the best fight scenes i've ever seen and from a you know realistic a lot of injury it just just was great uh and i just can't think of it i apologize it's female scene spot do you remember like roughly what year maybe this is several years ago okay it's, yeah. she's um oh my god not scarlett Johansson. it's um Angelina Jolie trying to think of some females who have done like spy type movies. I know Angelina Jolie did one, a couple. No, let me see. Atomic blonde. Yes. That one. Atomic blonde. Okay. There's a fight scene in that. That's awesome. Is this the one in the stairwell? Uh, yes. I think it starts in a room and goes into a stairwell. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I Googled it and that's what came up. Atomic blonde stairwell fight scene. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like three minutes long. So I'll have to watch that when yeah. we're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, very I, cool. That's the one that came to mind. I, yeah. I, I, there are a lot of if mine fight scenes that I really enjoyed, yep. uh, you know, as well. But yeah, what I really liked was some of the, it was really, I mean, she came out of that just having been beaten up, and but she got the upper hand and it, it hit me. It, it was really good. Very well done. So as a, as a fellow martial arts geek, did you see the movie, I think it was called, it was a martial arts movie called Chocolate was the name of it. I, it might have been Thai. Might have been I have time. not seen it. You know, it's funny you say that. I've seen that uh, when I've been searching, and I, for whatever reason, I've never watched it. It's really I, good. I now put it on my yeah, list. It's really good. Yeah, it's about an autistic girl who basically just learns martial arts. Yeah, you know, huh. and, and and there's some there's some good fight scenes in that one too. Yeah, yeah. that's that's one I'm, I you know, I could I could talk martial arts movies and TV shows all day. I, mean, I could do like a two hour <laughs> podcast just on that, and I might someday. Someday I might do that. I've been talking about that for a while, bringing some guests back and just doing like a roundtable with like four guests and. 
talking about right. 80s martial arts movies and tv shows so <laughs> yeah yeah no i agree and whenever my wife goes out either for the evening or in fact she's going to be away this weekend i mean I, that's i'll watch this i'll watch chocolate and i just nice. try to watch i mean I, I you know i yeah i just like to watch a lot of these that's good you'll have to let me know what you think and i'll be curious though someone else I can, I can chat with about martial arts movies so cool well justin before i let you go anything that maybe i forgot to ask you that you want to be sure i get out there or that maybe we want to cover quick i mean I, i'm not sure if it's a topic that you want to bring in but you mentioned the fact that we teach online mm -hmm. and you know it, what's been kind of interesting to me has been when i talk to people about the fact that's what i do a lot of people don't really get it you know how can you do that right and and you know when i first you know team back up with george on this this you know i was like i wasn't skeptical because i trust him and he's had very good success uh, over the many years mm -hmm. uh but uh, what I've experienced has been really eye-opening uh, relative to the advantages of doing it online and over, you know, just a brick-and-mortar dojo uh, situation. So um, it works. Uh, it is something that can't be taught online. Uh, what I've found is that the, the members, the students uh, are very, very devoted, not to say the people who don't do this aren't, but in order to take the time, watch a tutorial on video, rewatch it, practice it, reshoot a video, and then get feedback, it's not easy. And uh, the de dedication is huge. And uh, we have some very, very good success stories with uh, some of our virtual students in, in terms of achieving Don rank now. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, in achieving that Don rank in a live test situation and actually doing extremely well, you know, in those you know, two person, either prearranged or just open, open sparring kind of situations and doing very, very well. So wow. uh, I guess that's the only piece that potentially would be worth, uh, worth okay. talking about. So did that launch then because of COVID or did he have the idea before COVID? I, he, he had it going before COVID. Oh, wow. uh, what, I, what I say uh, happened right around the time I, I joined was just we kind of restructured some things on on how to do this, and you know clearly the, the there was a lot more pursuit of this you know during COVID, but it hasn't dropped off. And you know the you know the profile of someone who joins the Matson Academy online today is, and I don't know the exact statistics, but at least ninety five percent of them, the people that join us, have studied at least one martial art before coming on board here. Okay. Some of them are were high ranked Weichi room practitioners that have been away from it for twenty years. You know, some of them um, are are still practicing. We just had a we have a member who's a Godan in Ishinru and he joined up and he just earned his Shodan in Weichiru. Uh, some of them are joining because they want to move to an Okinawa system. Mm -hmm. uh, they want a system that they can age well with. And um, uh, so it, it's been kind of interesting to see the profile. Uh, we don't get a lot of newbies okay. to, uh, to martial arts. I'm glad it's working and, and continued success. Like I said, I'll put, I'll put the link out there and hopefully, hopefully maybe get you some more looks and some more interest. Cause that's, it's anything to spread martial arts I'm in favor of. So that's good. I appreciate it. Cool. Well, I just want to thank you for your time. This has been so much fun. Uh, I know you were a little nervous since you're, <laughs> you said this for your first ever podcast interview, so I'm flattered. That's kind of cool. But uh, it's it's been a blast getting to know you, and, and I can't wait till the episode comes out. Uh, Brian, thank you. I enjoyed it as well. Looking forward to it. 
Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.